Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. Hey there, Hollister. I am so excited for today's podcast. We are doing the Danish TV series, Borgen. Special shout out to Debbie Zimmerman, who runs All Women right. Make yep. Movies. She was the first person in the U.S. to recommend it to us. When it wasn't even available in the United States. <laughs> no questions asked. It's new to the U.S., only on iTunes now. It's been a big hit around the world. It it's, it's been broadcast in 70 countries. It's finally come to the U.S., as you said, via iTunes. You know that I love anything Scandinavian. <laughs> and when I saw that this series stars Seedza Babit Knudsen, I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, from one of my favorite movies, After the Wedding. Um, and when I saw the first episode and it began with a quote from Machiavelli, I thought, does TV get better than this? I could not stop watching it, which for me, it's subtitled. And, you know, I'm a multitasker, so subtitles means I can't multitask. And so quite often I don't go through an entire series, but I loved it, loved it so much that I did. But, you know, it's so quick to the next line that the subtitles are not on there very long. And a couple times you have to, you know, backtrack a little bit to be able to get the total nuance of what they're saying. But what an amazing amazing series. It's the Danish West Wing, don't you think? Well, it's so well written. And of course, you want to immediately draw comparisons to, is this like anything I've seen before? Is it like West Wing meets Scandal meets Madam Secretary? And because it's I can't believe you put Madam Secretary and Scandal in line with Borgen and the West Wing, because those two don't belong. It's like, where's Waldo? Those are they. No, I think you can draw comparisons to all three, and yet it's not like any of those three. Borgen, to me, created such a real world. Oh, no. No, no, no. Wait, don't get me wrong. Uh-huh. I don't think that you, you compare it to the West Wing, but I think it became to Denmark what the West Wing was to the United States. And In other words, the population of Denmark watched it the same way America watched the West Wing to get an inside scoop as to what, what the what government was like there. Well, it's such an interesting story, the genesis of this show, mm-hmm. because when, when the creators first approached the Danish TV station... They told them that they wanted to make a show about the country's first female prime minister. At the time, that was still a fictional premise. And now she's there. After the first season concluded, Denmark did, in fact, get its first female prime minister, um, who's no longer in office. But did you hear what she said? Why she didn't watch it? It's Hella Thorning-Schmidt. It was too close to home, so she stopped watching it. Really? Yeah. Of course, whenever I think of her, I think of that notorious selfie that was taken at Nelson Mandela's funeral. Was she the one in the selfie? She was the one in the middle. Do you remember when Obama yes, and I do. David Cameron both right. leaned in and Michelle Obama had a look as though that weren't the proper thing to do at Nelson Mandela's well, funeral? Well, it really wasn't. It really wasn't. <laughs> yep. So when the creators first approached the Danish TV station with the premise for the show, the executives were worried that it was about politics. And they said, you know, Danes aren't really that interested in politics. Well, which is what they said about the West Wing. There had never been a show about politics in Washington because mm-hmm. people felt they weren't interested. Same thing. Right. And then the executive said, well, if you also focus on the prime minister's private life, then we'll green light it. And I think they do such a good Good blend of blending the private with the political. And basically, I think the show is really all about the price you pay personally when you go into politics. I mean, I think the show is about many things. And certainly that's one of the things it's about. I, I wouldn't say that's what it's about. I think it's about... So, you know, maybe there's five or six 
major areas. One is the price you pay. One is, you know, family and business and, and the struggle constantly, especially for women between the, the two. The price you pay with your family and exactly. you know, career-wise. Um, but also it's about morals and ethics and making choices mm-hmm. and when the, cho- when the end justifies the means and when it doesn't. And it's also about friendship and lack of friendship. And, and the price you pay when you have to sell those friends down the river. Well, you know, I, I don't think anybody ever has to sell a friend down the river. But then you lose your political power. Well, so it's you the know price what? you pay it's for being prime minister. Yeah, well, you know, for me as an American, and you know, mm-hmm. you know, you always make jokes about how I'm the political person who's totally immersed in politics. And yes, you the are West Wing. You such a political junkie. For me, the reason Americans need to see this show and you need to struggle through <laughs> subtitles that get off too fast, you have to become a, a speed reader like when you see in the see, I love that I mean sometimes I watch shows in English with subtitles yeah but that's because you went to Harvard you know, and I went to the University of Nebraska no, but I'm just telling you as somebody who's not you know not doesn't love the subtitle world the reason you have to struggle through and you have to watch the series is to see a gentle reminder of how we're perceived globally no I'm assuming you're referring to the episode about the air bases in Greenland well I am yeah but and I but I also feel like you know at the end of the the it's we're not going to go into any of the plots we never do but i don't know i don't know that i can make the same promise because there's a lot of interesting plot but but when at the end when it says and the and the president of the united states has canceled his trip because we didn't play politics the way they wanted the power of the united states is tremendous and you know it really does point that out i thought what was so well done in that episode is that they were talking about the size of the u.s versus the size of denmark Um, But Denmark does have this relationship with Greenland where they rule over Greenland. They had conquered Greenland, and yet Greenland's supposed to have been given some autonomy where Denmark was treating Greenland the same way they felt they were being treated by the U.S. I I thought that was a very nice stroke by the writers that they put themselves under the same microscope. Well, and keeping in mind that they didn't write it for us. They wrote it for their own Oh, absolutely. I I, I did not feel like that episode was written (laughs) for me at all. No, no, but what I mean by that is that's that's really how we're perceived because the writers are presenting, you know, the most powerful nation in the world in that way. Because most of the episodes don't deal with the U.S. There was that one episode where they referenced JFK's speechwriter, and I thought that was so funny. I don't don't remember that one. Oh, I I wanted to ask you this, because as I was watching it, Casper, who plays the spin doctor, was out running, and he was running so fast, and it's the first time you see him in something other than a business suit. And you realize that he's so jazzed up, and he's sprinting down the street while he's listening to JFK's famous speech, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. So as he's talking to the secretary inside the parliament, he said, did you know that was written by Ted Sorensen, who's of Danish extraction? His parents were from Denmark. And do you know what you had in common with Ted Sorensen, JFK speechwriter, who went on to become a lawyer at Paul Weiss? Yes, you personally, Hollister. He is a graduate of... University of Nebraska. Yes, he grew up in Nebraska. Not surprising. When they created the show, the Danish actors were asking the producers, they said, well, does this have a global appeal? Because they were hoping that it was going to find this international audience as the killing did, which the U.S. already made. And the writer said, we're sorry, this could possibly be the most Danish thing that's ever been made because it's about Danish politics and it's in Danish. And they thought, okay, this is something that maybe Danes will watch and maybe the Swedes and the Norwegian will pick it up just out of sibling respect. Well, And they were shocked at how the specific really had a universal appeal around the globe, that this really spoke to people no matter what culture you were from. And I think it does. The second thing that I loved about this was the reduced level of frenzy in the lifestyle of 
the people living their lives. Which I think you is know, a Danish well, cultural difference. Exactly. You know. you know, what senator rides their bike to I the Senate? Loved I love that. When but you see also the, newly- the cobblestone roads and the beautiful buildings. It's a calmer uh, way to live. And I loved the beauty of it all. And the name of the series is is based on the castle that serves as the um, seat of government, you know, in yes, Denmark. So, so it means fortress. Exactly. Borgen. But, you know, just, uh, you know, we don't have 600 years to go back with, uh, you know, with buildings that are that, you know, old and hundreds of years old in America. And it's it was just beautiful to see how people live their lives a little bit. A little bit less frenzied, maybe. Well, it's so <laughs> As she said politely. Because, well, I feel that, you know, post the Viking era, anyway, Scandinavians have always been known for a better balance of work and family life. And I'm always shocked when I think about how much Scandinavians seem to produce and get done. Do you know what the population of Denmark is? I think it's just a few million, isn't it? 5.6 yeah. million, yeah. which is like 60% of the population of New York City. You can't own anything in Denmark unless you're Danish. Mm-hmm. So if I wanted to go buy a house and live there, I can't do that. You know, right. They're not going to take you and me in. No, well, not only are they not going to take us in, they haven't opened their doors to the rest of the world entering in. I guess maybe that's why the show's called Fortress. Well, you know, I didn't even think of that part. Now, but wait, here's here's a claim to fame. Ready for some trivia? All right, I'm always ready for trivia. Stephen King, he says it's the best piece of pop culture in all of TV. Uh, you're speechless. That's it's unusual. Certainly in the running. I, I'm just having a moment picturing Stephen King watching. Well, what Morgan. I loved about it is we think of pop culture as American pop culture. He's pointing out. Well, see, I think of pop culture as superficial culture, which sadly <laughs> well, seems American, to correlate exactly, with, American with American culture. Well, that, yes. Yeah, but he's, I did not expect this from him. Right. You know, I mean, look what he writes. You know? Well, it's interesting because in terms of pop culture, they were asking the star, Seeds about it, Knudsen, if she has met the real prime minister. She said she had not. Um, I'm surprised they didn't run to her, each other on the street riding bikes. I mean, it seems like, the, you know, you right. can run into these people you know? in a bigger way than you can in America. Take a selfie. But it's interesting, the power of TV, because they said that in season three, there is a speech that she gives the fictional prime minister about, I believe, prostitution. Might have been pornography, but I believe it was prostitution. And then in real life, the real life conservative party put forward a bill that was almost word for word the same Hmm, as what she had, you know, a fictional character. Casper, who the spin doctor on the show, the actor who plays him has been approached by political parties and others to come talk about being a spin doctor, even though he only plays one on Hmm. TV. And then one other thing, um, somebody was complaining in the news in Denmark about something the prime minister had said, and they said, oh, wait a minute, that wasn't the real prime minister. It was Birgitte Neuborg on the show. So even though it might be pop culture, there, there does seem to be... The acting overall is, is just phenomenal. very strong. And you know what everybody does? They really listen. You can see it. They, mm-hmm. they take the time to listen to the other actor's line and respond to the line rather than, you know, talk just you know, haul off their, their line. It's a very um, quick moving because they go from scene to scene quickly, but their delivery is just, it's just spe- really special. But it's interesting because you have to look at West Wing Sorkin where every line has a punch and none of the lines have a punch. The punch, think? no, I think the punch is in the nuance around the line and I think it's actually better in some ways for a drama like this. That's interesting. Well, I think the dialogue is fantastic. And for example, the man who plays, is it Bent? The one who in season one is 
the best friend of the prime minister, and they've grown up in the same political party. And he he's, says he's, to he's, her, I wouldn't say he's as much her best friend as he is her trusted advisor. Well, then we won't give any plot spoilers for how season one ends. But, you know, when he says to her, and this is one of the things that I find so interesting as an American, where we don't have a parliamentary system, um, is that in Denmark, you're constantly having to make sure that the opposition has not grown into the majority that can oust you at any moment. So even though you win the election, it's not necessarily a stable position you're holding because, again, Machiavelli was the right person to quote. Everybody, every other party is looking out for their own interests and at any given moment they could call an election and just oust you from power. But here's what's great. They don't. Well, in other words, I don't know, but on the show, you know, every single episode, I know, but that's her also, power I mean, but yeah, but you can't, yeah, attack. but you can't take that as. I mean, if but you this, look at how many times, well, you have to look at reality, and if you look at how many times the Danish government has been quote overthrown, they don't do it, and that's the difference between the way we're Italy, living, Italy and Denmark. Well, well, but you know, there's something very civilized about the fact that sure, there's all this political, you know, stuff going Nation on behind nations. the scenes. But at the same time, they are trying to get things done. Whereas in our country, no one's trying to get anything done anymore. It's just about, you know, maintaining power and killing the other guy. Well, as represented in Borgen, it seemed to be a lot of power maneuvering. But one of the great lines of dialogue, I thought, was when Bent says to the prime minister, when he's talking about, look, to be prime minister, you have to make sure that you've tamped down all these other factions and you're the one that has the majority. And he says to her, look, power is not a lapdog that jumps up into your lap. You have to reach out and grab it. I thought, what a great line. And in fact, I'm going to play a clip of it here so you can hear how it sounds in Danish. Men magten er sgu ikke en sød lille vogse, der bare hopper op og skyder, der bliver liggende. Det skal tages og fastholdes. Okay. Here's the thing. The reason I don't think they have the punchlines, you know, every, every punchline driven in the West Wing was a one-liner by someone. And what's nice about this, if you take, for example, you know, they have she and her husband, the prime minister and her husband haven't had time to have sex. <sighs> So she says, okay, well, we're going to schedule it in on Tuesdays and Saturdays. And then he comes back and says, really? And he makes a couple of funny comments. And mm-hmm. it's the entire back and forth that they go through over six or seven lines back and forth that create the punchline that in a Sorkin uh, dialogue is created in a one-liner. And I love that about it. I feel like it's more civilized or something. And you know what? I love Sorkin. I never say anything bad mm-hmm. about him. And I still love every single thing he does. But I do recognize um, how wonderful that is to be able to sit there and watch a show where I'm not laughing at a line. I'm laughing at at a nuance of, of a minute and a half of, of something that took place on the screen. Well, can we talk a little bit about their marriage? Because um, you don't like their marriage. I loved their marriage, and then I'm going to call <laughs> it the devolution of the marriage, which seemed to happen very you saw, quickly. Uh, yeah, but you know, it was all it was. I didn't think it happened quickly at all. I, I thought you saw it in you saw it in the first episode when she goes in. And to takes the kids into see him, and she says, "I better come here more often." That girl was after you. I mean, you the 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 lead up to all of that was not surprising at all. It happened in every single episode. I don't know. I was so heartbroken because in the very first episode, where I thought it was done with great humor, where she's gained weight during the election because she keeps eating pastries, and I thought this is another great thing about the Danish culture are the Danishes and the pastries and all these things that kept appearing in the conference room, and she wins the election. Nothing fits. And when her husband says to her, when she said, you know, 
does this outfit not look right? And he said, the loving answer, you know, the dry cleaner shrunk it. And when he gives her that... See what I mean? It's four lines to get to that punchline. But then when she's supposed to go and make her first appearance as the prime minister-elect, and he's bought her a new dress and said the dry cleaner got it to replace the other one, I thought, what a great marriage. And it was the same what way... What a great marriage. It was all one-sided. I mean, O'Toole... I did not think so. Wait, what did she give him? Well, this is so interesting See, I, I saw all of that as there's no way you can sustain that kind of of support and not get anything back. But you see, I think what is really brilliant what, she about kept telling this, him how handsome he was, that was his return on investment? That's not a bad one. But no, it's not a no, good no, one. No, no, this is what yeah. I think is totally interesting, is that because the gender roles are reversed from what they typically have been in the real world, the price of being the spouse of a leader stands out. So for example, if Stockard Channing in the West Wing had said to Jeb, played by Martin Sheen, what do you mean you're not going to be home to do the Christmas shopping? It would have seemed absurd. I don't think that's fair at all. What she did say uh, quite often is, like for example, when their daughter was getting married and there was a crisis going on in, uh, Even on the West Wing. In the West Wing, right. Mm -hmm. And their daughter's getting married and there's a crisis going on. And she says to him, if you're late, if you don't come tonight, you know, you're going to have to sit next to this person at the next dinner. Or, you know, she definitely pushes him back in the same kind of way, you but know. you never saw them, perhaps because it's that they live in the White House. So she's already had to move into his office to live. Um, but in this, where they have a separate residence. Um, I, I did not feel that she younger, brought anything to him in the marriage. And nothing? I, what does she do for him? Is that her role in the marriage? Well, he gives a lot to her. He mm -hmm. takes care of the kids, but no, he she's doesn't. The one he with supported the her. Job. He went and bought her this. In other words, he does he a lot of her address. He, no, he told her over and over again, "I'll cover for you. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't but worry." Why is it covering for her? That goes to show because that she's she got promised a her day. kids she would be there. But she is working twenty hours no, a day well, to lead the country. Know, but when you say to your children, "I'm going to be there after dinner to read with you," and then you're not. And your spouse and you're not says, it doesn't matter why. It does matter. If a seven-year-old no, doesn't but, care but if there's, why you're not, your mom's not there. But your dad is there. And no, I'm just you know saying, if, if you she make a were promise a guy, to a, it would no, no. not have been held against him as much. If you make a promise to a child, mm -hmm. if you say to a seven-year-old, I'm going to do this for you, and over and over again you don't do it, and someone is constantly saying, you know what, I'll make it, I'll make it work, don't worry about it, I'll take care of it, she'll be fine when you get home, we'll make this happen. He was constantly rearranging for her not, you know, not coming through. Uh, to me, I, I saw it from the very first episode, and I could have told you at the end of episode one, there's no way this guy's going to do this content for, he's not. This guy. But what about, Any guy. But what about a woman? Uh, no. Do you think a woman would have walked because the kids got I think got Jed Bartlett was a much better home. husband than His she was. His kids were older. It's not about the kids. I think it's the age of the kids that it's plays not a about, big it's role. It's not about the kids. It's I think about it your about relationship with the other person. I liked the pact that they had reached where they were going to focus did she, on did his you career ever hear, for five years. I think years. they set it up beautifully. Did you ever hear her say, how was your day? She never asked him a question about his day. I, I, I'm not saying that there weren't moments where she was too harsh on him, but I'm saying he folded very quickly. I don't think it was quick. When they were both very educated and they both had careers and they focused on his career for five years, he did go first, and then they focused on her career for five years, and then she's elected prime minister. And he says, look, I'm not going to be the guy who says, don't be prime minister. But I think to not expect 
that this is going to wreak havoc on your private life is very naive. And I'm saying the other contract that they reached about not ever having an au pair, so one of them would be home with the kids, they desperately needed an au pair. I think that would have helped things out greatly. And it wasn't just about their relationship with their children that, that ruined the marriage. It was about his relationship with her, and she did not take an interest in no, him. No, I think he felt emasculated. You know, I, I have to disagree with you wholeheartedly because I didn't see her being a partner in any way to him. The first time I took issue with her was when her father was coming to visit. And she said, my father's coming tonight. And he's like, tonight? And she goes, didn't I tell you? And he says, no. And she says, I thought I told you he's coming tonight. And he said, is he going to stay with us? And she goes, it's not up for discussion. When she said that, I thought, oh my goodness, she's acting like a prime minister with a subordinate and not like a spouse. But I'll come back, I'll come like back to my question. I want to make Your sure contention I is that she was, that this happened because of her power, that their, that their marriage fell apart because of their power. No, I'm, no, that's because, not my Because of her job. But I'm I don't think that's that true. I'm saying that her job put stresses on the marriage. Yeah. And I, I think, think it was the way she behaved with him no, in her job. That no, put I think that's putting too much of an onus on her, that it fell apart and it was her fault. I'm saying he folded very quickly from being a very supportive right. husband. And I have to disagree to being an emasculated man who. Yeah, because I think you that's the way bothered, she behaved. No, you I weren't bothered by that scene where he took the job without telling her that he had been offered a job. And then that's the first moment that he could have sex was when he had his own job outside the house. No, I, you know, I will tell you that the lead up to that is every single episode showed him going a little further away because you can be prime minister and you can still participate with your spouse. Here's an example of how she didn't handle it well. She's, she's going to Iceland. Greenland. To Greenland. And he says, are you going to spend the night? It's a simple question. She says, I don't know. Okay, we, if they had been wanting to make her a true partner with him, when, she, when the girl went over the schedule, when her secretary went over the schedule with her in the plane, she would have said, be sure to let my husband know, okay, when well, they're coming back tonight. It was a sentence. The prime minister no, has time to make see, the sentence. But that's the okay, thing about then, the episode is that my contention is that because she's a female prime minister, it really underscores... The price this takes on a person's personal life. I think a, a man, but a, but no, a man no, could because, do that too. A no, man no. would have done the same well, thing. Somebody asked Adam Price, who's one of the creators and writers of Borgen. They said, you know, it seems to be a show about we want it all, but we can't have it all. Are you saying that women can't have it all or no one can have it all? And he said, look, we want it all, but we have to constantly choose on a day-by-day -day basis. And he said, if the prime minister on Borgen had been a man... It wouldn't have been as hard to watch because men have had 10,000 years of letting down their families. Well, and I thought that's, that's a, very it's a very interesting, interesting way to say it. But. Because when you're the prime minister, so for example, you can promise that you're going to be home that night. But when you show up in Greenland, a place that, as portrayed on the show, Denmark has not really reached out to or spent a lot of time. When you meet the leader of Greenland and start hearing about the suicide rate of their people. Oh, it's not that she should have spent the, but, not, no, not but spent the night. No, this is why the show, I loved the show, but it was stressing me out every time I watched it because okay, but it wasn't every that single she episode, <laughs> she had to constantly let somebody down to try to do the right thing by somebody else. Okay. It was a constant and price she was And my point is, it's the, by the way, any 
person, any spouse of someone with that much power does understand the pressure of that power. What I thought was very brilliantly done was when she was talking to Bent in the office and she said, how does your wife handle it? And he said, well, the first two didn't handle it well at all, but the third one gets it. And I thought it was great that they portrayed the toll it took on the male members of parliament as well. It wasn't a gender issue. It was when you work in the parliament, you just can't be home as many hours. It's the way she handled disappointing them. And I think there's two ways to be powerful and know that your time is, is very difficult for those who love you, okay? And there are two ways to handle it. One is with narcissism and disregard, which is how I feel she handled it. And the other way is a thoughtful understanding of what the other person is doing. I did not think she was a narcissist at all. I thought she was someone paying an incredibly high price to try to keep her morals as intact as possible. We haven't had this kind of a difficult discussion since Pitch Perfect. Speaking of Pitch Perfect, (laughs) though, did you recognize the actress Katrine who plays the journalist? Yeah, with the big teeth. I did not like her. I could not. Did you recognize her from Pitch Perfect too? No. Oh, she the one. Oh, she the. Oh no, I yes, did. Yes, she was the one. Okay. She played a German, I believe, okay. in Pitch Perfect too, oh, yeah, where they yeah. have that huh. sing-off. Yeah. Yes. So she can sing. She can sing. Oh my gosh. These people can do it all. I'm telling you. But to to wrap up my point of view, I think she could have done such a better job of handling the disappointments, and I think it would have made all the difference. And I think he was a great partner. I think he started off as a great partner, and I think that she didn't understand how to play her role in that partnership. See, I think he started off as a tremendously fabulous partner who I was surprised that he folded as quickly as he did. And my only point is that I think being prime minister takes a tremendous toll on any politician, regardless of their gender, regardless of their family configuration. But I think it stood out in starker relief in this series because she was a woman. And it's the same way that when I watched The Iron Lady, where Meryl Streep played Margaret Thatcher, I felt that they were making more of her relationship as a wife, her relationship as a mother, than they would have done if she had been a male prime minister. Yes, I'm sure that that's true. He was such an integral part of every episode that for me, I felt like I was really in their their home with them. And I saw him time and time again support and elevate her, and I never saw her asking how she could elevate him in her whatever way was possible. And I can't disagree with some of the choices she made. For example, when he took the job as CEO, and she was involved in a decision to pay 100 billion kroner for some How much is that, do you know? Jets, about um, 10 billion pounds. It was a lot of money. Oh, my God. Do they have a that much money? money? A lot of money. And that's why I was just surprised going, okay, when you think about when the series first started and the prior prime minister got in trouble because he put his wife's handbags on the country's credit card, which I thought was a great way to start the series. I mean, if that was 70,000 kroner, 100 billion kroner is a big deal. She's right to worry about it. And it did turn out to be a mess. But what made it um, stressful for me to watch is every single episode she had some huge crisis in battling her. And by the way, there's a crisis yes, every day in government. I and cannot imagine being that person and trying to leave that at the office. You know, but at any it does rate, not make me want to go into politics, well, I can tell yeah, you that. Yeah. Well, you would hate politics. I would hate politics yeah, because <laughs> even when you go in with the best of intentions and the highest of morals, especially in this kind of system where you have to compromise on a daily basis. You don't basis, ever get there without having already sacrificed that. I don't know. I felt the weight of every decision. I felt like I was too much in her head. So even Sana, the one that plays the secretary, and when we first meet her, she seems just completely incompetent. And they say, well, we can't get rid of her because of union rules. By the way, you never put that on TV in America. 
You could never. That you can't get rid of her because of the union? You couldn't. She really grew on me. And I thought the show did a great job of making people 360 degrees. So funny. I thought she was such a stereotypical that she made, it made me angry that they made portrayed her that way. In which way? Well, you know, would never have done because a man that way. Because to me, it was way. so interesting that well, she the, had the, so the, many different the, There sides. are women, in other words, you know, it's so funny because you became sort of a feminist on the side of the prime minister, and I went in the other direction, and now I'm going to redo, reverse yes, the role. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Because you know. to me, it was sort of like, you want to talk about a gender, you know, a bias. You know, the whole way they presented her at the beginning and everything else was totally... Which is why I loved it when yeah. they made her more of a character. So by the time they're ready to fire her, she goes, I don't know, I like her interpersonal skills. And she had grown on me as well. So when Casper was trying to write... But they made write, her out to be an idiot at the beginning. At the beginning they did, but they didn't keep when her that way. When she brought in the art, you know, I mean, it yes, just was it, really And the art was actually very funny when she said it doesn't matter. And then the art that the head of the National Gallery chose for her was so wrong. But when Casper was trying to but write I don't his think, speech... But didn't you see the... I thought there was a nuance to the art that he chose. I didn't think that he chose it for she, her. It was the female I don't think head she, of the yeah, National I don't think Gallery. She, I think she hated... She didn't want her to be prime minister. Again, it stressed me out because everything she was taken to task for, when she actually did what people said she should do, it was a problem for her. So, for example, when they were suggesting she didn't know how to delegate, she delegated the choice of the art and she got stabbed in the back. It's, Constantly getting stabbed in the back, but the character of Sana, when Casper was trying to write the speech, and he was inspired by Ted Sorensen, and he used the word bound, and she was listening, even though she was out in the foyer, and says to him, I don't think you should use the word bound. That does not bespeak democracy. And I thought that was just, uh-huh. it was very insightful. Um, um, yeah, no, to- totally. But you know my favorite character? and I think Wait, don't tell me, let me guess. Okay, but it's... it's, it's gotta, always, is it her boss? Is it the journalist's boss? No. Don't and I me. don't know don't where the Please character ends and the acting begins. So it might just be that I'm so blown away by the acting. Um, I don't know. It's the character of Hannah, the female oh. journalist who's accused of You know of what? If I thought of her, I would have said mm-hmm. that to, yeah. So they have such great acting on this show. Sidza Babit Knudsen, who has so much airtime. Her range of facial expressions is huge, which is good. She's also she very attractive, to, but not yes. in a stunning way that makes her unapproachable. I love that about. She's perfect to be know, a they Danish always have prime better actor, actors over across the pond because they don't they don't have to be these stunning model like people. They actually, but they're very attractive. But you incredibly know, incredibly attractive, know. and the heads of the different parties. The casting is fantastic. Um, but the character of Hannah, I couldn't tell how much of it was a matter of dose because I wanted to see her given a bigger part. But I do remember when the character of Kalinda was so popular in season one of The Good Wife, and then they tried to give her a huge plot line, and all of a sudden it just kind of went sideways. She just seemed to go in and out of each scene so swiftly mm-hmm. that all I noticed was her must blonde hair. <laughs> Which I thought was perfect. Well, I, you know what? I, I sort of felt really like that was a, a little bit too much in my face. Like, you know, first of all, when you're sitting there and you're about ready to go on, your hair is not must like that. They make sure it's not. On the other hand, the character who bothered me the most. Okay, wait, don't tell me. Um, her boss? Nope. I keep thinking you're going to say him for something. I know. Don't tell me. Don't You've tell me. You've now guessed who is my sorry, most sorry, favorite sorry, sorry, and my sorry, least sorry. favorite. Oh my God, is it the spin doctor? Nope. Okay, don't. T- the spin doctor, by the way, doesn't he look like Joshua Jackson from The Affair? No. Yes, he totally does. He when does? they both have beards, I think he it looks a little bit person. like um, Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, yes, he does. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, in fact, for a minute, I was like, oh, my God, is he back? He's going to come in with the hoodie? Especially since he's always wearing a suit. I know. Wait. Yeah. Um, wait, don't tell me. i got to find it, figure it out. The character that bothers you the most, maybe it's her husband. Nope. Okay. Fine. I thought he did a great job acting. Okay. Her friend, Bent? I loved Bent. Okay, thank I you, God. I him. Okay, to yeah. me, he feels so okay, real. Okay, who? I give up. And I was nervous that he was going to stab her in the back, and I thought... Oh, no, no, never. He's her father. Oh. There's no way. Yes. Okay, who? Katrine. I don't like her either. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, my God. Finally, we agree on something on this show. Wait a minute. But I talked to you on the... I, first of all, whenever O'Toole and I are seeing something, we never discuss it. And we had a phone call this this morning about the show. And I said I didn't like her. And you didn't give an inch. Nope. Oh, nope. my God. Nope. That's why I didn't pick her. I oh, hated her. Yes. I shouldn't say hated. I just thought, seriously, yep. like, you know, is, mm-hmm. it, it, who did it remind you of? Zoe yes. in yes in House of Cards. Zoe in House of Cards. Yes, the similar that thing of I do you totally care about anyone? You. Do you mm-hmm. care about anyone other than mm-hmm. yourself? And even the guy who came to her with the information that was going to make her a huge star, yep. the guy kills himself, and she does the right thing. And she could have not done the right thing, but she just had no soul. You know, I, I yes. agree totally. And what's so and interesting to me is when when we first Sorry. meet her. She is in such a compromised position because she is secretly sleeping with the married spin doctor of the prime minister who's just been, you know, unseated. And you knew that was, he. you know, the minute he died, it's sort of like, I've seen this in too many movies. You know, although it often works for me. So, for example, when you had the dead Turk on Downton Abbey, totally worked for me. You know, you had the dead body in the Jane Fonda movie, The Morning After, and she says, you know, I'm so sorry, but normally I'm a nice person. Private Benjamin, we talked about that one recently, where she's in bed and the guy dies. Totally works for me. In this show, however... Oh my God, however, I forgot about Private right? Benjamin, yeah. She calls her ex-boyfriend, Casper, the spin doctor, to come just take care of the situation, and she flees. And then later, she holds his behavior against him for what he did when he was cleaning up her mess. So I thought, I meet this character in a morally compromised situation. And then she goes on to be so Mm self-righteous and judgy the rest of season one. And I thought, no matter how compromised her behavior, she thought she was totally entitled and whatever she wanted to do was just fine. But she held everything against everybody else. So her character was two-note. Either she was flirting with somebody out of ulterior motives to get a story or information, or she was angry in a way that she shouldn't have been that angry with everybody else when I didn't think her... No, I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. Could not agree more on every single count of that. And also what, what made it even worse, perhaps, is that nobody ever held her accountable for nope. anything. No, nope. you know, And even when they there did, was they no, forgave her. But there was mm-hmm. no pushback whatsoever, mm-hmm. and I didn't understand that. You know, yeah. um... I didn't understand that. Now, Casper, I like. I like him as a He's character. He's a very, very interesting complex. character. Each, mm-hmm. And whether we like Katrina or not, each of these characters has really complex makeup yes. that they mm-hmm. roll out beautifully. And yep. they roll it out throughout the season. So you're constantly getting another onion peel mm-hmm. on each of the characters. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's so good. Now, you can't binge watch this show. You did, though, right? I did. But With I got to tell you, it took a toll on oh my, me. I, because no, I, I can't binge I watch it. I felt for her character so much much and one thing that I thought was interesting is when Taya Leone was offered the part in Madam Secretary she said please make their marriage be a good one between Mm -hmm. her and Tim Daly and she said please don't let him cheat and now I'm totally wondering if she had seen Borgen 
oh my gosh, well, we, we put that out to you. Answer, well, <laughs> you know what? We'll tweet that question to her and we'll ask her. It's a show that you can't binge. And maybe I couldn't binge because it, it took so much mental energy. Nor could I stop watching. I thought it was very addictive. You watched with your sister. Now, what did she yes, think? Yes, I did. She loved it. She did? Loved it, loved it, loved it. And she just thought the acting was And she's an actor. By she's yeah. an actor. She was blown away. She particularly liked the acting of the... Um, actor who played Philip. So here's one more name to just butcher, but um, Mikael Berkshire, maybe? It's so funny that you're looking at me like I would know the answer to that question. <laughs> you know, we were talking earlier about how each episode starts with a quote, and this just goes to show the richness of the writing on this show. Do you remember the Churchill one? Democracy is the worst form of government, except all the other forms that have already been oh, tried. Oh, right, 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 right. I mean, it just, it sets up each episode beautifully, or... Um, Mao Zedong, politics is war without bloodshed. Beautiful, beautiful. Beautifully done. You know what else really helped the acting was the cinematography. Whoever yes. shot this, every single participant yes. in the production of this series um, gets an A+, and that's why it comes together in such an amazing way. So, mm -hmm. um, are you going to watch uh, season two and three? I already have it on hold at the library. The library. Oh yes, DVDs. The library. Yeah, yes. seasons two and three. I've okay. Already put well, on I'll hold. be buying it shortly, so you might as well just start watching. But you know what? I had to put it on hold, so there is a long waiting list. Well, you know, it has taken off in the United States. We highly recommend it. We don't agree on as many things in the in the show, but you'll be able to sort of come from your own point of view on it. It's a great show, and I hope everyone not only watches Borgen, but also After the Wedding, which also stars Seeds of Bob at Knudsen. Do I need to watch that? Yes, you is do. Is that a subtitle one? <laughs> yes, it is.